Hello friend. The Mystical American Patriot Society is transmitting to you from our secret ice fortress and laboratory high in the Swiss Alps. This is a variety program for normal sandwich eating Americans with some concerns about living in a deranged, post-Christian technocracy. Keep your third eye on the sky and your ear to the ground as Sumo and Smokestack direct your attention to a higher dimension. Are you ready? Stand by. Toes not used up yet. The popcorn garland holds up. You secretly hope the snow lasts a little while. In the week between, all your drunken uncles and cousins, cousins are on the scene. The week between, New Year's resolutions and conversation with last year's dreams. We take a slow ride into town, past empty office buildings. Red lights go green, snow, and so we don't mind waiting. It's almost time to eat again. The first ham sandwich shows up. We're curling up on the couch to wait until next year. In the week between, all your drunken uncles and cousins, cousins are on the scene. The week between New Year's resolutions and conversation with last year's dreams. Between Christmas and New Year's, everybody. Hello, hello. I am here with user Albert Einstein, resurrected from the dead. That was that was great. Thank you. Your, your song has animated my remains after I was brutally executed last week. Well, let's not say brutally. I think that's a little. There, there were, was a lot. There was a lot of screaming. You were well. That was on your part, though. We did a very civil and like white gloves that you know, like in modern culture. When we kill people, we dress up in uh, doctor's uniforms and, and you sterilize the, the needle that we're going to use to inject them with lethal poison mm -hmm. and wear rubber gloves. And it may, that makes it OK. And if you live in Germany, you have to be vaccinated before you can get executed. So. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, 
you were not vaccinated, so I couldn't kill you the normal way. Mm-hmm. We had to do the firing squad way because that keeps your distance. See? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's true. It yeah. keeps the distance. If I had to get up close to you with the lethal injection needle, or not me, rather, Chad Wolf, uh, that would have been a breach of Dr. Fauci would have been all over that. So we had to shoot you from a distance. And hmm. yes, there was screaming. That's yeah, but yes, that's largely your fault, right? Uh, it's I mean, entirely my fault. Yeah, you could have faced it more bravely. I, I could, but you are back now. And you know, uh, do not do not go gentle into that dark night or whatever they say. So that's right, that's right, and that's okay. Um, and we resurrected you. Uh, you know, your your body is is here with us. It's slightly zombified, but overall in uh, in pretty good um, condition. Only small parts of your flesh are rotting off. Currently, and almost none around the face, so all you look good if pale. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Smokestack is not here this week because he has died of coronavirus, uh, which is unfortunate. But apparently, it was it was bound to happen. Um, doctors in quote unquote uh, respectable news outlets like the New York Times are now openly saying what has been obvious to everyone not brainwashed for the past couple of years that yes, we all quote unquote have a date the word they used in the article with COVID in the future, because you cannot win a war against cold and flu season. It's nonsensical and always was yet. Yet here we are. Did you see the news I speak of not smokestack uh, dying of coronavirus, which is well, I, I figured smokestack probably had a rough time because the, the change in temperature from the, the Valley to the Alps probably rocked his immune system. And he was, that's correct. That is correct. The, yeah. the, the well, a lot of people are confused right now because they're saying, I thought Smokestack was a television in 1947, Argentina. Yes. However, uh, and I am through a complicated means communicating to you from that time period. However, also in your time period, 2021, we have tried to reclone Smokestack and he has also then died again. Uh, it's very unfortunate. Um, hmm. But what can you do? The news I speak of uh, was... The, uh, the New York Times daily briefing, news briefing, on Thursday, December 23rd. This, um, wasn't, this wasn't them announcing the, uh, the winter of severe illness and death, was it? Or was no, that, was, that was the White House. That was the White House, who said, <laughs> Merry Christmas. We, everyone should expect, we're wishing you a, mm. a winter of severe illness and death. Merry, merry happy holidays. Mm. Happy Which, it bears the same tone as like the BLM people saying, you know, Merry Christmas to everyone except it's the same tweet. It's just from a more respectable source. It is. It is Merry, yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone except those who are going to overwhelm the hospitals this time for realsy guys. Believe it. We're super serious. <laughs> we're super serious this time, guys. We're super serious. But, but uh, that didn't happen because it never happens because it's all nonsense. But no, I was talking about their news briefing on the 23rd. Uh, the New York Times did something that uh, that one of my favorite Twitter users, gold standard Twitter user, Hank Oslo, he called it, quote, a narrative barrel, barrel roll <laughs> on the entire COVID thing. And he called it that because despite all of the admissions that basically everything we've said is right, we somehow still ended up in the same place at the mm-hmm. end of the article where we have to do lockdowns and and forced vaccinations and all. And despite all of them, they're like, yeah, yeah, you were right, but still, but a buh, you know? So, I, yeah. I keep seeing people who go, oh, well, isn't Omicron going to come through and it'll end the lockdowns because everyone will have immunity? I'm like, no, this is not what this is about. How could you, how could you still think that? Like, <sighs> yeah. 
it's going to be, I mean, no matter what happens at this point, it's going to be difficult. As someone pointed out recently, uh, I forget who, it will be difficult to go back to normal uh, after this. Now that we know that about, I don't know, 70% of the people in the country can be convinced of literally anything if they just <laughs> run enough news articles. About it. It's like releasing a tamed animal. Like if you have a pet dog, you can't just say, oh, be free, go live in the woods. Like they don't know how. I think we might have forgotten how to not be beholden to big daddy government. Yes, uh, that's a beautiful analogy. Like they just don't know how. And so um, they just they can't. They can't. They just have to. There's a lot of people in this world, in this country, especially probably the majority of them that are unable to think for themselves, which is one reason I felt the need to resurrect you in the light of smokestack dying, because you. Uh, I felt was you gave a you gave a uh, what I felt was a valid criticism. You said so-called free thinkers will line you up against the wall and shoot you if you disagree with. <laughs> I was like, that's fair. That's fair. So I decided we bring you back on so you could give your side of the story if hmm. if need be. Um, but yeah, so they they said, look, here's some quotes from this article. <laughs> um. They, they admitted in the article that, 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 that eliminating a respiratory virus is basically a fool's errand, and the whole world, therefore, has been a ship of fools for years now. Mm-hmm. And one of the quotes from the article was, quote, some of the new attitude about not trying to fight it anymore stems from the reality that contracting COVID will not be a big deal for most people. <laughs> Hospitalization rates for children and vaccinated people under 50 years old remain minuscule. Of course, they had to plug the vaccine, uh-huh, of course. but hospitalization rates have always been low for everybody all the time, forever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's never been, it was always, it was always stupid. Uh, some additional quotes is, one reassuring comparison is to the normal flu season. The average death rate among Americans over 65 who contract the flu has ranged between 1 in 75 and 1 in 160 in recent years, according to the CDC. Pre-Omicron versions of COVID, in other words, seem to present risk of similar order of magnitude to vaccinated people as a typical pl- flu. Some years, the flu may even be more dangerous. So it is just the flu. This is exactly your thing about, oh, they have to sort of tell you the truth so that, they, you, so that you're allowing them to lie to you. It's uh, a, yeah. hey, hey, it's very similar to the flu. Look at the flu. Look at Omicron. It's the same thing. And they're, <laughs> just, they're just telling us it's the same thing, but then it- saying. Yeah. yeah, it is the same thing. And I keep, I, I, I don't know how people get, I did, a, I did, a, I'm a little podcasted. Uh, my podcast gas is still there, but it's not on full mm-hmm. because today I did like a four hour show with the Sunday, Sunday wire. Oh, wow. ACR. Mm-hmm. It was a bit, it was, it was an, it was a extravaganza. It was a boxing day extravaganza. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we talked about on there was people said uh, they were ranking their top five, 10 conspiracy theories of the year. And one of them, <laughs> one of them was the, the various variants like Omicron and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said that they ranked that as like number four. And I said that to me should be number one because that one thing and the treatment of it, mm-hmm. so-called, undoes a, like a century of, of vaccine medicine. No. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It like totally destroys it because putting a top like, 10 on conspiracies would be difficult this year. I mean, this has been a good, I, we had McAfee, we had, <laughs> I mean, the steel. Yes. That. It was a, it was a tough, it was a good year for the conspiracy uh, stocks, mm-hmm. but 
yeah, so like the, the flu, the people be like, oh, you know, you got to get booster shots. But, but it's like the flu, you get a flu shot every year. And that's like, okay, but here's the thing with that, guys. The whole premise of the flu vaccine and needing a new one is mm-hmm. they say, well, the flu mutates every year into a new variant. Yeah. And there are multiple variants running at a time. So what we do is we pick like the most common one we think you're most likely to get. We make a vaccine about that one. And sometimes we get it wrong and the other variant you get, and that gives you the flu anyway, mm-hmm. and we miss. But most of the time we get it right. And so the flu vaccine helps you. And it gives uh-huh. you immunity to that variant, right? Which they, they were never quite able to explain to me how they knew which one to predict was going to be the most popular one. That always seemed a little seedy to me. It, it is very seedy. You're correct to pick up on that. But with the COVID thing, so that's been the narrative of vaccines for a, a hundred years. That's been in the medical textbooks. That's been what they're for. Mm-hmm. If, you get a, if you get a vaccine, it gives you immunity to that specific variant of virus. And yes, there may be different, slightly different variants that evade your immune system. Uh, and you need a different vaccine for those, but that was, but you're immune to that one. But with COVID, what they did was they did a, did a complete science uh, flip over. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, listen, um, there's a new variant, so you need another of the same vaccine. They didn't make a, they didn't make a Delta virus vaccine. They didn't make an Omicron vaccine. They're just giving you the same vaccine over and over and over again. And so, so the new variants are like, well, it doesn't make you immune, but it gives you some sort of uh, ability to fight it better. It makes the symptoms worse. Without ever going into how this could possibly be, like, what is the bio, biomechanical mechanism that would make this happen? Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of the vaccine was forever, forever and always, was this variant that we give you the vaccine for, you will be immune to. There may be variants in the future. There was, but there was never like, if you take this, your body will then be able to fight it better. It was like, no, this variant you're immune to. Now, new variant, it'll just skate right past your Now, it vaccine. should be mentioned, this isn't yeah. a normal vaccine. It's not even really a vaccine. It's technically gene therapy. So is there a chance that that's why it's different? Well, maybe that could be. But like, if the idea was that you are, you are. As far as I'm aware, the idea was that you are teaching the body to detect the spike protein and then uh, attack it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then your body somehow forgets to do this. Mm-hmm. And the same, and the the entire thing with the variants is that they have a slightly different spike protein mm-hmm. to get into your body in a different manner. Mm-hmm. And so you would think, one would need a different set of, of spike vaccines. But no, you just take the same one over and over again. And through some mechanism, it forgets that it had the immunity, but then remembers it again for a different virus, for a different it, variant it is, that it never had. It is very strange because I saw somebody comparing it. I saw a billboard, in I think England, that had the comparison of your body and a phone battery and how the booster recharged. Oh, I saw that battery. too. I was like, that. That doesn't seem like how. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Are we? Are we got, see, this is the problem. You get so. And I man, discovered. Yeah, go ahead. I discovered two weeks ago that the booster is actually just the same shot. Like it That's actually, it actually is. They're just topping it off. I'm like, wait, what? I thought it was yeah. like something else that helped you fight. No, it's the thing. same thing over and over and over and over and over again. They, there's no difference between the first shot 
and the second shot and the third shot and the fourth. It's always the same thing. Yeah. Like over, it's it's insanity. Um, and so that and then like the fish, they're just like, well, you just need to have the shot every now and then. But see, this is the thing: mankind always interprets his world through his highest technology. And right now, we have smartphones, so we've come to view the body. Amen. Running low on battery and needing a subscription service. Mm-hmm. To, Just to like we've come to view the universe as a simulation, because simulations are very right. in right now. Yeah, exactly. And when they had clocks, and that was all they had, the universe mm-hmm. was a giant clock. When all that, they had when, was pottery, we were made of clay. When steam engines were a thing, the all of psychology was about pressures and releasing. Ex- beautiful. Yes, it's always that. In, and so what now we have the phones, everyone has a phone, you're into your phone 24 seven. They're like, well, I'm like a phone. My immune mm-hmm. system's like a battery and it needs to be recharged. And I need a subscription service with Pfizer to keep my <laughs> immune system running. And that's literally the insanity that we are at in right now. Um, and this is, I, I don't know what to do about it. People have just gone. I, I don't think there's any way to, I don't even know. I don't even know how you get past that level of mental contortion. It's like talking to a, a pigeon and trying to explain to them like uh, the socioeconomics of the Frankfurt School or something. It, it is crazy because I heard somebody who, is, who I know very well and is pro-vax. And he was trying to explain to me that as you take boosters, your body gets better and better. So you need fewer. And like over time, not only are you getting topped up, but like it'll go down slower. So after, say, the 10th one, it'll take longer for you to need it again. I'm like, this does not make sense. What are you talking about? How would that work? See, no one ever asked, how could this work? If anything, you would need them more often because your immune is getting run down. Exactly. And like, think about plugging in your phone battery. Eventually, your phone battery, it takes more and more charges per unit time because it gets worn down. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's we're 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 making we're giving you a new it's like an upgrade model. Like you're getting an upgrade immune system that goes longer. But but saying, oh, this doesn't make sense is so unsophisticated of an answer that it's very easy to ignore you. Yeah, because they go, well, the the science people said it, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone is so mesmerized by credentialism. Uh I don't know how to it, it, the I don't think there's anything you can do but wait for everyone to die in a mass fire or something of their own doing they will just be so insane they will set their houses on fire like they did last summer really and <laughs> yeah, uh, and burn their burn themselves down i think that's the only thing you can do at this point well every now and then i see some stat about the vaccinated are sort of wildly unlikely to be able to bear children i'm like oh maybe this is like some sort of someone's balancing something out i'm not sure if this is how i want it to be balanced out but yeah, maybe, maybe this is for the best. <laughs> I think as time goes on, we will see um, more and more like long-term effects. I'm not sure mm-hmm. to what extent they will be, or like what percentage of the population will have them. Mm-hmm. It may not be very high, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah. But um, there's definitely, uh, especially as you get more and more, like when you're on shot number seven, <laughs> I do wonder like what you're doing. And for all body. the people I've known who are who are thinking about getting it. I'm like, yeah. I don't know that much about the health concerns. You can talk to someone else about that. I'm sure they know. What I know about is how bad it is for your spirit to resist something yes. for so long and then go, eh, whatever. I'll do it anyway. I'm like, no, no, this is so not good. 
Like this is so much worse for your spirit than it is for your body anyway. Yeah, I agree too, because you are, um, it's, it's a form of saying I it's, it's giving up your own bodily autonomy so that you can, uh, for fear that you will not, uh, be provided for in some way mm-hmm. by it's like, it's like th- that level of lack of faith is just, you're, you're selling your soul sort of to, to at least big pharma, if not to Satan. Yeah. I mean, even being shot in the head, which is like the ultimate bad thing for your body. Right. In some situations may be the ultimate good thing for your soul. Yes. Very, very true. And very, just like me last week against the wall. Right. Exactly. And you, you didn't honestly take it very well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did. I I compared you to Mao a few times. (laughs) A lot of people. Now, in fairness, I didn't give you a blindfold. Or, or, or a last cigarette. I didn't give you either of those things. So that should have calmed you down a bit. Uh, maybe. Um, and I also sprung it on you fairly quickly. Like a lot of people are sentenced to death and then like, you're, and then like in six months or something. I, I had to be told by a friend of mine on early Monday morning, I was told <laughs> by a friend of mine that I had been executed. I went, wait, what? <laughs> well, and that's how it has to happen. Sometimes, you know, when you're in war, sometimes you have to make snap decisions. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, it's not what I would prefer, but you know, when you're on the Eastern front and someone turns away from, with cowardice, then mm-hmm. they have to be shot of course, by the officer in the back who is yeah. also not in the front lines fighting. No, no. So that's okay. Cause he's the officer. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's just, it's uh it's standard, standard practice. So, but so, so at the end of this little New York times news roll, they end it with the following, which is why Hank also called it a barrel roll. He says, so they've gone through all this and saying, look, sometimes the flu is even worse. And I say, but, but quote, there are also steps individuals uh, cannot take, but societies could requiring people to be vaccinated to enter restaurants or fly oh, on an no. airplane, expanding access to walking clinics, rapid tests and post-infection treatments and improving ventilations in public indoor spaces. So despite the fact that we all just admitted it's not a big deal for almost everybody, and also, there's no way to control it or contain it at all. We're all going to get it at some point. Yet, we still have to do everything we hate we're doing when we thought it was the second coming of the Black Death. Which, Wait, by the way, maybe all ex- happen. Who knows at this point? What does expanding, um, expanding walking clinics even mean? Yeah, I know. Like, you can, I, if you can walk there, you can go there. That's pretty. That's about as open as it gets. Are they not, like, well, wheelchair accessible? You One of the tales of this too. whole thing that it was it was it was fake is because they're just they keep going. The hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. It's like, well, build more. <laughs> you had two years now. Why didn't you build like one more ICU room? Maybe or, stop firing everyone. Yeah, may don't fire everyone and build an extra ICU room. Maybe who knows? But they're like, no, no, that can't. We just the hospitals. We have the same exact hospital capacity we had at the beginning. Actually, less. <laughs> We got rid of some mm-hmm. and that's good governance because this was all real. And it was the whole thing is, uh, is, is just as silly as the moon landing. Well, you know, with expanding demand, normally nothing changes. That's how the world works. Oh, wait, works. it doesn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> normally when you have two years of the highest demand the world has ever seen, somebody is going to meet that. <laughs> Yeah, if the, if we really had two years of the highest demand for ICU beds ever, 
then we would have built more. Somebody would have, but it never happened. It just never happened. It never occurred. They built, in fact, they took away some. Yeah. Because they were like, they were, they were like, well, you know what? This we're just not going to treat cancer as much this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, you know, it's just what it is what it is. Who knows? Mm. So, uh, but yeah, so and it's in in hindsight, the more and more distance we have to it, it's not only looking uh, like it was all fake, it's looking completely impossible. So, like for, for example, right now on the World Health Organization website, they recently put out a chart of incidences of seasonal flu, like people that get <laughs> I'm surprised they were brave chart. enough to do that. Yeah, I know. Here's how the chart goes. Okay, I'm going to describe it to you verbally. Mm-hmm. So imagine a graph of time versus, uh, and on the y-axis is the number of cases of flu. Okay. Winter 2017 to 2018, huge spike. Okay. Back down to like a baseline normal. Okay. Winter 2018 to 2019, huge spike. Yeah. Then back to the baseline. This winter w- winter 2019 to 2020, huge spike. Right? Mm-hmm. Then, absolutely zero. Basic, <laughs> nothing, zip, zilch, nada, no flu at all until like, <laughs> until like three months ago. Or actually, a month uh, ago. There starts to be the barest trickle of flu. Like, it doesn't even go back to baseline. It goes down to zero, like none. Maybe the trickle is them admitting that this might be finally over. I think, well... Like, all right, we had our fun. Now we need to return to reality. Yeah, well, historically, pandemics, which I'm now of the opinion are probably have always been fake. Who knows? But like the Spanish flu and all these things, they last about two years. Mm-hmm. I think that's about how long the spell takes to wear off where people are like, really? <laughs> no one's died yet. Everyone is still here. Mm-hmm. Like everyone is, the roads are still just as clogged as they were, except for the people staying home to... To work to not do things on their computer instead of go to the office to not do things on their computer at the office, um, but it, and that that chart could almost be believable. Like you might almost squeak it in there, like, like if flu had died and never come back. Like okay, we did the masking, we did the distancing, we wiped down everything, and we when we bought an avocado, we covered it in alcohol before we ate it. Doesn't the flu need people to survive? Exactly, doesn't like it? if there was no flu for two years, it should just be gone. And, and I mean, you might say it go, should go into animals or something, I guess. I don't I know. Guess. But, and, but then th- shouldn't the flu then be, uh, and it, we did all that and it didn't kill coronavirus. Okay. But it did kill the flu. There was zero. It was zero. Great. It's extinct now. Like polio, we got the flu. Good job. Mm-hmm. But then somehow, despite nobody on earth contracting it or passing it around for two years, it just comes back. It's it's absolute. It's basically an admission. All that graph is is, is an admission that whatever whatever they were testing for was just picking up flu, and they weren't testing for. That's all that means. Well, they were pretty open about. Well, they weren't open. They were sort of forced to be open that the PCR tests can't tell the difference between the flu, COVID, common cold, yeah, or whatever. So, or, or probably any virus on Earth. Yeah, I as mean, far as I could tell, I don't, I don't really know what they're testing for, but I know that they were at one point forced to admit, like, all right, yeah, we can't tell the difference. Yeah, and, and it's obvious because, again, with these stupid variant things, uh, you know, they're playing fast and loose with how to detect it because anytime there's a new variant, suddenly everyone is testing positive for it. Like when Delta <laughs> came out. 
three weeks after Delta was discovered, all institutions were like, oh, yeah, we got Delta, too. I got yeah. Delta over here in Botswana. Yeah. I got some Delta in Greenland. It's like, how do you know? It's you like special, the other one just took a break. The other one was like, yeah, all right, Delta? You have a special Delta test kit? No, you don't. You have a special Omicron test kit? No. You have the same stupid test. You have the whole time. You have no way of knowing what you're getting. It, you have no way. And like the common theme of science is if something cannot be tested, it does not exist. Like, which is why a lot of scientists are like, yeah, souls don't seem real because you can't test them. It's right. Like, oh, well, if you can't test for Delta, then it doesn't exist. <laughs> it, yes. And so... It was well, shouldn't, but they just decided to see it everywhere because it's mm-hmm. just a ghost that exists, in, in, you know. And so it doesn't. None of it makes. None of it even makes the basis of of medical sense. And the fact that so many doctors that you and I know that everyone knows when you, we they they, this has you quiz them about this and they have zero answers and they say, well, I guess it works some way. Blah blah blah. CDC. It's like, no, you're a doctor. Give me an answer here. How does how could this possibly work? Like, ah. That just mm-hmm. shows you how much of credentialism is is uh, it's a house of cards waiting to fall. No one knows how to do anything. Which is a depressing thing for me because I'm trying to get credentials. Yeah, I know. It's and it's and you should. I I'm not someone that encourages young people to not go to college. I do encourage you to try to do it without getting into debt because oh, a lot of sure. people who get into debt can never. They never end up paying that off. Absolutely. But, and it's, and so, and if you have to go into debt, then it may not be worth it, depending on the level of debt. That's my caveat. It's like, well, it might not be worth it if you have to go into lots of debt because, um, but you do, but the credentials are still useful for getting jobs and, and positions and stuff. However, they do, fun- other than that, functionally for your actual knowledge, they don't mean any, everyone that has them is a retard. Mm-hmm. Everyone that has them, including me. we're all just retarded everyone this is the thing the last two years have been a gift from god to show you that authority is fake it is interesting the highest credential which is doctor they have no idea it it replaces the first thing you say so normal when you're a normal person you say hi my name is albert einstein right but when you become a doctor and you fall into credentialism you go hi i am dr albert einstein and that's it's the first thing you say yeah, I think that's I, I, I never, I've never done that ever. In fact, I was yeah. at a Christmas party, and this lady I, I'm friends with and her husband, her her father was there. Her, he's an older gentleman, like he's the head of like some university or something, not like a high university, not like a, but you know, like a university, mm-hmm. not like Ivy League or anything. <laughs> but he thinks highly of himself. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oh, hello, Mister So and So, and he said, oh, it's Doctor. Actually, I said. I just looked at him. I had a pause. I was still holding his hand when we shook, you know, mm-hmm. I just looking at him at the Christmas party. I just paused for a minute. I said, Mr. So-and-so. <laughs> and then just like, oh, and walked away because that is, uh, if you demand other people call you doctor, that's more of an indication that you are retarded. On the other hand, it is a 10 year endeavor. So if you spend 10 years at something, you might want people to call you by it. Yeah, but what you spent 10 years in, you should be able to do something useful with. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And they don't they don't have anything. Like when I was in when I was in university and I went to a school that claims to have a lot of patents, quote unquote, like they invent stuff. <laughs> okay. Um 
I was tasked, I was given like a, to, to avoid going into debt for graduate school, I uh, did work on the university on research projects, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And they paid for my tuition. And I saw, that was like a big red pilling moment for me when I saw that I was being handed this stuff, producing data, and then I would tell people about it, like the, my advising professor and the other people were working with, and they would, it would just sort of, they would nod and then just sort of file it away. And I saw that was happening with everyone. And like all of this stuff we were doing, if it led to anything, would just get filed in a folder. And then the professor would just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, uh, th- like none of it ever came to anything. Hmm. And that's a, that's a thing that I noticed in uh, universities is that for all of the money shoved at science, it produces so little that it's questionable of its value. Like how many, how much have we thrown into like, say, I don't know, material science in the past hundred years. And yet we still build houses out of like wood. I you guess. Know? But like, how even many- if it doesn't come to physical, physical changes, but, is, it has grown the, the knowledge of humanity. But has it? Because you can't do anything with it. Like, but but you not- can read a book about it. You can read, like, if knowledge doesn't ever come to, like, you can do something with it, is it even knowledge? Yeah, because you're, you're expanding your understanding of God's creation, but, which I think but, is a very worthwhile But lesson. are you, if you, like, the proof that you understand it is you can do something with it. Like, like, if you understand a car, you can make a car or fix a car. But if you just, if you just have this theory about what a car should do, but it never actually comes into practice, then I think your theory is probably flawed. And your knowledge is fake. I mean, I guess. Right. This, but like, think about, think about it. Uh, so all this material science is a great one because we have nothing. I mean, I guess we have carbon fiber. That's nice. Yeah. It's pretty graphene. graphene. Yeah. Gra- every once in a while they get a win. I'm not saying they lose all the time, but we have hundreds of thousands of people working in material science. And mm-hmm. yet the warmest thing you can put on your body is still sheep's wool. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is it's, it's really not. Well, we just are so nostalgic that we refuse to use the cool thing we could make. We go, now nah, we'd rather wear an animal. What is better? What keeps you warmer and doesn't have like tremendous trade-offs? Like it's giantly heavy or it I, holds I don't way. have names for you, but I'm sure See, I could. <sighs> I'm telling you, look, I've, looked, I've tried various synthetics for camping and stuff. Nothing works better than just a wool garment. Okay, but did you really expect us to be able to create something better than what God could? For all of the science that we're throwing at it, you need to come up with something. Like, right, we should be able to do, to do. I mean, the laser weapons haven't happened. That's a big bummer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess a couple of boats have tried to build a, a couple of Navy ships have one. That's a big bummer. Um, the Nothing from the sci-fi that we hope for has come to pass. Hey, we got railguns. Railguns are pretty cool. We do, but they're gigantic, and you can't have one yourself. That is true. We got a a space station. We have one of those. Well, that's fake. We, I know know you still believe in that. We walked on the moon. That was pretty cool. (laughs) Now you're just now you're just being. (laughs) But no, no, um, yeah. So it just all this money is thrown at science, and it produces so like the science to engineering funnel is so constricted has to be almost non-existent like a few things from this realm of like pure knowledge that we think about get through this funnel 
but almost all of it just sort of accumulates and then someone forgets about it and it just rots away. That is true for now, but I think eventually, like these things take a lot of time because God has cursed us for our hubris. But like eventually there is nothing that we can't do. Well, that is sort of true. I just don't know that we do it through science or the the way we. Um, do you have a better solution? I think that the idea, yes, I do. I think the idea that you can pursue knowledge, pure knowledge and understanding absent applicability is the big fault. I think like the, like the Wright brothers figured out flying because they're like, how do we get in the air? And they had a problem to solve. But when you're just like, I'm going to do research to try and understand this thing, I think you just end up sort of making up theories that don't go anywhere because they're not attached to the real world. And they don't ever come down into actual useful knowledge that proves you actually understand what you're talking about. I think you have to, the whole idea of pure science needs to be thrown away. It must always be applied science. It must always be directed towards a problem because pure science, I think you can do pure math. (laughs) I think you can do pure math. I think that that does, uh, I think that is true. But pure science when you enter into like, and now we're going to include the physical world, I think you have, you can never divorce it from a problem you're trying to actually solve if it's to ever funnel down into something useful. There was a great book about this called Pasteur's Quadrant, where it was um, debating like, because uh, Louis Pasteur famously did not get his pasteurization process through pure science. He got it through like accident and trying to solve an engineering problem and a little bit of luck. Which mm-hmm. is the same as like penicillin and, and concrete and all these things that we still use. And the moon landing because we had to beat Russia. <sighs> and the supposed alleged moon landing. Um, yeah, I think that I think the solution is you have to do away with the idea that you can know knowledge divorced from like that knowledge can be had divorced from human experience. I think hmm. I think that you have to divorce I think, I think that that's, that's a fallacy. I think you're definitely onto something, but I wouldn't discredit just the I want to know something because I like like humans are given this desire to understand. And yeah, I think and that I, you can't put that put that away. I think that that's true. I think that that's um like true like but I think that can only work in a limited in a limited scope. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've seen in this past couple of years it's sort of proof that what we're doing now is, is has something fundamentally wrong with it. Like it was, none of it had any reason at all. It, we sort of know that now it was just mass insanity. And you need to remember that listener in the future, because almost all crises in the future and almost all in the past also never needed to happen. World War II also, didn't need to be fought. And also you will forget this in 10 years, assuming it's well, not going on in 10 years, which it probably will be. But if it's not, you will have yeah. forgotten this entirely. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All of that was to say, Smokestack is dead. Please pray for his family in this time. Uh, Albert Einstein, did you have a good Christmas? I had a great Christmas. Good. Did you have any, did you get any good presents? I got, I received various things to shine shoes with. Uh, oh, okay. My mother made beef Wellington for dinner, which was absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was great. Had a great time. We watched Die Hard because we're Americans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, I had a good Christmas too. I had an interesting encounter with a future version of myself. Excellent. Uh, I did some work for a guy um, 
he called me to come do some work and I got there and um, he, I was doing things that like a normal hu- human being, he wanted me to like do like very uh, easy tasks that like a normal human being would not have someone else pay for, right? Okay. Like raking leaves in the front yard? Like very, like very, very simple stuff. Okay. And I thought that's a bit odd at first, but then as I got to talking with him, I was like, oh, right. Right. Because he was this guy, he had crazy like dark brown hair mm-hmm. from Back to the Future. Missing a tooth, wearing flannel. Oh, when I went to bill him, he didn't know what his own zip code was. And wow. he dug it out of his pocket on a notebook. Sounds like the dream. Yeah. And then he, and then he said, uh, and then I was talking with him while I was doing these things. He's like, and he was talking about uh, he was actually a physicist and was working on bridging the gap between biology and physics and understanding how atoms could possess consciousness. Oh, no. And we had a long talk about that and uh, while I was doing this stuff and, and about – he kept going on about something called microtubules <laughs> uh, in the brain, I think. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, and he was almost – finished with his work it's been a lifelong work he'd almost he'd almost got it he's hoping to finish it and get it published this year and he wanted to send it to roger primrose you know are you familiar with roger primrose yeah i have one of his books on my shelf right in front of me is he still alive yeah dude he's great he is isn't he like 90 he's he's very old and he refuses to acknowledge the fact that he's about to die people will ask who's like They'll be like, Sir Roger Penrose, who is going to be the successor to your work? And he's like, well, you know, it's not time to think about that yet. I'm like, dude, you're like 92. Okay. Yes, he is. nine. I just looked up. He's 90. So he's still like, but as I was listening to this fellow, tell me about how he was working on microtubules. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, I was, th- he was talking about Roger Primrose and his book, like the physics of consciousness or something that mm-hmm. inspired him yep. to work. Um, and I just think I was just kept thinking, dude, this guy you want to send your work to is probably already dead. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't want to tell him, you know. But I guess he's not, so that's good. Um, and he said, I guess he wanted to finish it this year because his the clock is ticking if he wants to get it to Roger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just thought that's gonna that is that is if if people that could very well be me one day, just a a guy sitting there ranting about things. Um, that no one understands, uh, sort of adorably optimistic that anyone would ever care about his work, you know, because I, this guy was like, I'm going to write this book. And I was like, I, I was like, I just want to tell him no one's going to care. No one's going to listen. Even if you had the answer, even if he was right, no one would ever listen. That's the problem. Uh, and so all that to say, if you don't want that to be me in the future listener, if you care, you need to subscribe to the St. Nicholas Project. <laughs> that way, someone's listening, at least. Or, or the thing I started this week, which I actually started like a year ago, but only recently took up again, is my, the new Substack, uh, which is a, like a blog slash newsletter. Mm-hmm. That's free. You can subscribe to it. It's holy is he who wrestles. The, uh, I, the blogosphere of 2010 has returned. It's returned. Course. And I'm, I'm blogging again. I'm writing again. I've always, I think writing is my best medium, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, and I've, I've written. Uh, I just went on a writing fury this week. I saw that your Twitter has been lit lit up with writing. Yeah. So if anyone, you should you should all do those. Here's what you should do, listener. 
Subscribe to St. Nicholas Project. This is to all to keep me from being this guy without a tooth, uh, rambling about microtubules in 30 years. Okay? If you care and you don't want that to happen to your beloved podcasters, do at least one of these three things, or maybe all of them. Subscribe to the St. Nicholas Project, or to my Substack, Holy Is He Who Wrestles, or uh, rate the podcast and give us like a five-star review on something. Because that is like a, you know, podcast are sorted by a search engine, just like Google. And that search engine is dictated by the ratings. And if you get a lot of ratings, the search engine says, hey, this is a good one to serve up when someone searches for a thing. Mm -hmm. That's why we need you to do that. Keep in mind, a toothless, crazy-haired person in flannel who can't put together, like, uh, who can't plug in a toaster and doesn't know his own zip code and say, I want to save Sumo from that. That's this guy sounds like he was on the short end of MK Ultra. I think he may have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the thing is, when he was ranting about, he made some points that made a scary amount of sense. Like he was like going into this, his math thing. And he's like, and this is how light photons could be integrated into uh, uh, the consciousness of a brain. And he had some like mathematical equation. And he was like, and I was like, I don't have any way to check that math. But if that was correct, that would be mind blowing. I mean, it sort of makes sense. But also, would, no one is ever... Yeah, but the problem is no one is ever going to care. Like, you have well, to be... Well, you should devote some time to checking his math and become like... Maybe maybe guy. I'll have him on. Maybe I'll have him on the show. <laughs> yeah. microtubules and he can rant. <laughs> and he does it. But I don't even know if I could find him again because I don't know that he has... Uh, I, don't, I don't know that he even knows his own phone number. Hmm. I mean, he was, he was, he was, out, he was out to lunch. Just show up um, at his front door. I'm sure crazy people love that. Uh, maybe. Maybe. It didn't. It, now that I think about it, he may have been lying to me about who he was. Because hmm. maybe a, that's why he didn't know the zip code of his card number. Oh. Maybe he didn't live there. Maybe the person who actually who lived there was dead in the backyard. <laughs> who knows? Maybe. Maybe he had just murdered that person and took their card and didn't know their zip code. Maybe that's yeah. why. Probably didn't even know you were coming over. You just showed up and said, hey, I'm here to do menial tasks. And he was like, okay, plug this in. Yeah, I guess uh, plug in the toaster and then microtubules. And then the whole time he's got a bloody axe like around the corner. Yeah. Maybe. That's actually a more plausible scenario to what happened. Um, So, but if so, again, it still holds. If you don't want me to be a weird axe murderer in the future, then subscribe to St. Nicholas Project or my Substack, Holy ECU Wrestles, or give us a good rating. One of those three. Uh, yes. So, but, but, uh, I wanted to talk to you today about two things. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if we have time to get to both. Uh, in no particular order, they are the physics of angels. Oh, nice. In monetary long COVID. Monetary what now? Long COVID. Uh, okay. So let's start with monetary long COVID since we already talked about COVID. And in homage of Smokestack, who is now dead mm. again. COVID. You have um, a bad habit of killing off members of the show. I mean, they, it, you know, we're fighting a battle. <laughs> there are casualties. That's, that's there are casualties true. and there's fratricide. When you're shooting, when you're just spraying an area with artillery shells, sometimes you hit your own side. Mm-hmm. As uh, Sir Winston Churchill called it, there will be wastage. <laughs> Right. That's that should be the tagline of this show. There will be wastage. I think that that is a good, yeah. But so uh, monetary long COVID, as I've said before on show, 
long COVID is not real. It's just the latest version of the fake diseases white women get who need an excuse to not be around their families. Mm-hmm. Like I, chronic- I, I, do, I disagree with this, but go okay. Ahead. I say it's like chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, right? You think long COVID is real? I, I think it's real in very few situations. I think it's impossibly rare, but I think it exists. Okay. It maybe, maybe in mm-hmm. the possibly. I think that the, I think it is so rare that the odds that it would even be in the news. Uh, is zero if it was not mostly fake. Mm-hmm. I think it's basically fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, but with a new name, mm-hmm. which is again something only white women seem to get. Who don't have to. The people that have these diseases always seem to also be in a scenario where they don't have to work for a living. They well, can't play around all day. The two or three situations I've heard of people having long COVID were they were MMA fighters or boxers who, because they work out so they like their exercise every day and all that, they're sort of drained. So that sort of makes sense why their immune system couldn't fight something off for weeks and weeks. So they had like a low level infection for weeks and weeks because they were so drained, but that's only like three people. And that's definitely not white women who don't actually do anything all day. These are people who are like working insanely hard beyond, unless you are working insanely hard, this is not real. Well, that, yeah, that would not be long COVID to me is something like you still have quote unquote six months after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine like a coal miner could have that because he's in terrible conditions working hard every day, but not someone who drinks Chardonnay on the couch. Right. But so long COVID is mostly fake, I think, but monetary long COVID is probably real. And monetary long COVID is a theory presented. I first heard about it on the podcast, uh, Outside Theory. By a by a user of same name, which is a it's a good show. Uh, give it a listen. Okay. It, it was developed by um, the monetary long COVID theory. I mean, developed by an Italian professor named Fabio Vaghini. And Fabio, who I've never seen a picture of, but I must imagine has flowing uh, blonde hair and uh, great pictorial muscles. I'm not sure I'm about to take economic advice from the Italians, but go ahead. Right. Right, I know. Well, this isn't this isn't economic advice. He's actually he's he's like, um, he's not giving you advice. He's just explaining how COVID has served as a useful justification for unprecedented and indefinite monetary COVID, mm-hmm. which is the main reason that it continues. Like that's the that's the underlying motivation among the governments to keep it going. Because amen, because it allows you to do basically quantitative easing on steroids forever. We're about to get you were about to get neo-feudalism via wage slavery. <laughs> yes. Now, I'm not totally opposed to neo-feudalism. No, I think it could be fun. It could be fun. A lot of this can be fun. That's the thing you got to view it as. Like a lot mm-hmm. of this, yes, the world is hurtling toward a toward a techno-slavery dystopia, but you, you can have fun movies set you, in a techno-dystopia. You just need to make sure that you're smart enough to jump over peasant and go straight to either mage or priest. Yes. My whole goal is to become like a wizard in the I, feudalism. I feel like if this, if the future turns into a and d game sure. with, with techno, uh, techno wizardry, mm-hmm. I am more of a rogue character myself. Okay. Perhaps yeah. a bard. I'm Definitely not sure. a bard. We started the song, this show off with a song. I think that Right, I'm like a bard. 
But uh, so Fabio writes rather boldly the following. He says, quote, by now it should be clear that COVID-19 is essentially a symptom of financial capital running amok. More broadly, <laughs> more broadly, it is a symptom of a world that is no longer able to reproduce itself by prof- profiting from human labor, thus relying on a compens- compensatory logic of perpetual monetary doping. While the structural shrinking of the work-based economy inflates the financial sector, the latter's volatility can only be contained through global emergencies, mass propaganda, and tyranny of biosecurity. And then he asked pointedly, how can we break out of this vicious cycle? So his basic take is that the, the monetary system is basically at its end point. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to, to be there when that happens. Mm-hmm. And people have been kicking this down the can, the road, kicking the can down the road to avoid the collapse for decades by shifting uh, capital money from Main Street to Wall Street. So labor and people working and like making things in factories, that can't have money because if that gets money, that will cause inflation, Hmm. runaway inflation, and that will be bad. You can print $40 $40 trillion or however much they did last year for the stimulus thing uh, and to give to companies and all this stuff. You can print all that so long as it never actually gets down to the people working. If it stays up in like the realm of stocks and bonds, their mm-hmm. value can go up. And that's that, just numbers on a screen. Right. It's and that can inflate everything. That makes the numbers go up. The, the line go up. GDP stays floating. If it ever gets down to the actual ground level, though, and starts trading in cash, or like on people's Venmo accounts, then it's game over. That is inflation out there. That's that's why they printed so much money, but also people are poorer. They don't have the money. Is this why there's suddenly so much more money, but nobody has it? All they have are fake coins and pictures of monkeys wearing hats. Right. Yeah. I think I think this is one thing. This is this is a theory that's made me a little back off a little bit from crypto. <laughs> is crypto seems to be performing the function, intended or not. Of just burn it as like an inflation burning machine. Like you print up all the money, people invested in this thing, it goes up and up and up, and then you crash it all and it just huh. vanishes and all the money's gone. Well, I have said for a while that if I was president, I would collect taxes as normal and I would spend zero dollars. I would just light all of the money I collect on fire to counter, counter inflation. Right. That's what you would have to do. And that's sort of what crypto is doing. People throw all their money into it. You overflate the value of the asset and then you crash it. And then, then like billions and billions of dollars just vanish in an instant. And that's sort of like, it's like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe crypto, which was started by Satoshi Nakamoto after the banking collapse of 2008. That's right. And Satoshi Nakamoto is Japanese for central intelligence. So, yeah. Oh, I had you no can idea. Translate Satoshi Nakamoto to intelligence of the center or intelligent center or something like that. So, oh. um, so maybe, maybe they thought, hey, you know, we're going to do this quantitative easing, but then we need a method to burn up the capital so it doesn't go down to Main Street and cause a giant inflationary spiral. And that will keep the stock prices high, but then it will destroy. It, but it will not filter down to the level to the lower levels and actually cause runaway inflation. Maybe this was like, hey, what if we had people gave people an asset 
it wasn't real and we can inflate it and then it just goes away. And we just do that periodically and so it'll go up and down. But that means as, they're just trying to fend off people from collecting their money because eventually somebody's going to say, okay, I want to buy a car and I can't do that with my picture of a monkey. So this can't last forever. It's like a last ditch effort. It can't last forever. Right. But like reality keeps knocking on the door like, hey, you actually don't have anything. Hey, <laughs> financial instruments, they're really just debt. Hey, you know, it's all just debt, right? You got to pay. It's got to be paid back at some point. There's just a guy, like a little monetary gremlin on the thing, knocking on the door like, listen, this isn't working. It's not working. And um, so now there is an argument to be made. Some people have made it. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. But they say, listen, and this is, this is why Fabio says they need the buy. Like you need a reason to constantly be able to shut down things, shut down certain businesses, shut down. You need this tight control, this biosecurity state. That's the only way you can control permanently, they hope, the, to make sure that the trickle from the Wall Street doesn't get down to the Main Street where hyperinflation would occur if $40,000 trillion was suddenly given to everybody. But what is the point of printing $40 trillion if it's not going to do anything? Because it keeps the, it, because everyone believes that these things like bonds and stocks and all these financial instruments, this is why he, he quote, the monetary, the um, financial capital is what he blamed it on, not capitalism. But like, it's not like people working and doing things. It's all these financial instruments. It's just mm -hmm. that you can pump numbers, you can pump money into those and those numbers will remain high because they're largely imaginary and pretend. So this is basically just a trick to get elected. They can say, look, we made so much money to give to you. Look, we gave you all this money. Please well, vote for us. It's a trick to get elected. It's also a trick to keep the... It, it, once the financial sector, if that goes down, that's when the collapse occurs. The collapse can happen one of two ways. All the financial sectors, just like all the stocks just tank. Mm -hmm. The bonds, the people, like, we can't pay them back. All this stuff, it's not going to work. Or the people on the bottom get too much money and hyperinflation occurs. Mm -hmm. Either of those things destroy it. And so they're trying to walk a tightrope. This is why they want total like biosecurity control of everything. But, but who is the money benefiting right now? The money is not been, well, the money is benefiting Wall Street and all the, the, the people, but, the whole financial. Wall Street can't spend it because when they spend it, right. the money goes to somebody at the bottom. Correct. So it, hmm. that, that's why they have to, that's why they basically have to constantly burn it off. You can't, like, this is why, like, the value of Tesla can go up 80 billion times, right? Yet mm -hmm. they don't actually do anything. Their cars are bought by a few people and their other stuff doesn't really work. Or, or like Facebook, like it has it, it's never turned a profit or Twitter never turned. It's just, well, some of that not turning a profit thing is some creative tax evasion. Well, that's true. Some of it is, but um, it's it's all these companies that can, you can inflate, 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 mm -hmm. never actually have to produce anything. And this is the way you keep, it's all to just keep the system going because no one wants the crash to happen. Because I was, I was saying there's an argument that some people are like, listen, having this biosecurity state is better than having the entire global finance system collapse in the span of a week. It's like bread and circuses, except there is no bread and the circus is just watching <laughs> a line go up. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm having so much fun at the circus. All we get to do is watch lines. Like, yeah. 
This yeah. is not this is not a workable system in the long term. Right. And so and so if you if you um if you it, some people say like listen, if if you live if you actually were to live through this financial collapse, like it would make the depression because we're so much over leveraged than we were in the depression. So much mm-hmm. over leveraged, mm-hmm. like so much more debt. If it were to actually collapse, it would make the depression look like uh, the the boom era of the nineties dot com bubble. It mm-hmm. would just be like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the depression would be like great by comparison. So some mm-hmm. people are like, listen, it's better just to have the biosecurity state. That's their rationale. Like, yes, this is bad. I hate to say it, but they it. might be right. Yeah, some people could say they might be right. <laughs> However, I don't think they are for two reasons. Uh, one, you you just know on principle. But two, anyway. you're just kicking the can a little more down. That little monetary <laughs> troll is still going to be knocking there like, yeah, okay, buy you some time, but this is all just debt. It's not, <laughs> you still have you still have to pay it. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, 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 we just can't get another credit card to pay off that credit card. Which is basically, the whole thing is a giant Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when it comes down, it, it must inevitably come down. But the more people you, a Ponzi scheme can keep going as long as you keep getting more people in it, right? Yeah. But when you stop feeding it from the bottom, it, it falls over. And we're not having kids. It, well, yeah, that's another, that's, that's, why the, that's why they need the constant immigration. Uh-huh, yeah, that makes sense. So Fabio um, provides a helpful summary of the basic economic rationale of monetary long COVID. He goes, quote, here's the summary of COVID's economic rationale. The September 2019 bailout of the financial sector, which, after 11 blissful years of quantitative quantitative easing, was again on the verge of nervous breakdown, involved an unprecedented expansion of monetary stimulus, the creation of trillions of dollars with the magic wand of the Federal Reserve. The injection of this inordinate amount of money into Wall Street was only possible by turning the engine of Main Street off. From the point of view of the short-sighted capitalist mole, there was no alternative. Computer money was created as digital bytes not be allowed to cascade onto economic cycles on the ground, as this would cause an inflationary tsunami a la Weimar 1920s, only much more catastrophic for a stagnant and globally interconnected economy. So the money's okay as long as it's digital bytes that you can lock into place and they never, like, that you can keep the, the GDP and all the financial instruments and all the stocks elevated as long as it stays up there in the realm of the cloud and the digital bytes. If it gets down into actual use among people, it's over. This is why they had to shut down the businesses at the same time that they did the monetary reserve. And they only uh, let the ones, they only let the big ones that knew how to play the game and were going to like, yeah, yeah, you inflate our stock price and we're not going to do anything with the money. We're not going to give it to any people. We're not going to pay anybody anymore. It's just going to be up in the cloud. Like, yeah, so like Walmart could do it. But if you gave that stimulus money to, Small town, small time businesses, they might pay workers more. They might do these things, right? And this is why Biden said, Oh, yeah, you'll definitely get $2,000. And Trump said, Oh, yeah, you'll definitely get $2,000. And nobody meant it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, this to me best explains the madness we've experienced over the past year. It explains why the science can be so wrong so often and go unscrutinized because it's just corporate science. It's just owned by the corporation who need to do these things. Like the FDA doesn't even pretend anymore to do independent research. They're just like, well, you know, hey, Pfizer said it was 90% effective. So here we go. Like that's insane. Mm -hmm. 
the FDA is just like, well, the company that made the thing said it was great. Now, I, I do have a take on that. <laughs> okay. But. Um, yeah, let's hear your take. It, it's in, because have you ever, you've seen an ad for a medication before. It's just, yeah, yeah. They, go, they tell you the ad and then there's like 40 seconds at the end where they go, hey, just, you know, like a super small amount of people, you know, killed themselves, bled out of right. their anus, you know, cried tears of mercury. But right. since it's coming from the government, the government doesn't have to do that. So the government says, oh, no, this is totally safe and effective, effective, safe, safe, effective. Right. And I think if it was just Pfizer releasing this, I think they would have totally had a list of side effects at the end. I think this is like, I don't, I like capitalism. I think if this was just a capitalist company going, hey, we release this thing, it'll help some problems. There are some side effects, whatever. I think there would be no problem. But since it's the government, the government cannot be blamed for anything. They said, oh, no, 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 no side effects at all. That's all just nonsense. Yeah. Well, so, and they just listened to whatever the Pfizer said about their own thing. But I bet Pfizer told them about, I, I solidly believe Pfizer said, hey, government, just so you know, there's this like every now and then some kid gets myocarditis and a bunch of soccer players die. And the yeah. government said, hey, never say that again. We're just going to say it's safe. Right. Very well possible. Very possible. So anyway, um, that's what I think is driving the COVID hysteria still and why I'm Hmm. skeptical that even even as just like the New York Times in their narrative barrel roll admits like, yeah, it's not that bad, but we still have to do all the stuff. I think that that will be what's going will be even more insane going forward is people being like, well, yeah, but it still has to do the things because of the reason. And that's going to make people even more insane because now, now there's not even a pretense for like why it should be done. The question is, because this show exists to tell people how to be good men. Right. What do you, what do you do? Like, okay, uh, yeah, everything is fake and gay. Now what? Like, what are we supposed to do to, to you know, be good men? I think this is, I got, this is, well, this gets to what happened uh, over the past. There was an argument this week um what's his name scott green you see on twitter is he a guy did i make that up there's a hank scott greer anyway he's one of these uh he's one of these new rights people uh alt-light people okay sort of like uh he was racist in in like 2015 when it was cool and now he's not racist anymore (laughs) you know yeah, but if it ever became cool again, he'd be right up there being like, "Ah, uh, ah black people or something." Yeah, of right? course. He's one of those guys, and he was he was he was in an argument with some other person on the right who was more mainstream and not as like uh, dipping his toe into um, into uh, white supremacy stuff. He wanted to keep his job. Right. He was one of these guys uh, arguing with a mainstream guy. And they were like, people on the right lose because they're always arguing for a retreat. Like, you need to get out of the cities. You need to uh, start a homestead. You need to get out of the institutions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he said, rather than stand and fight your ground. To which I replied, not that anyone noticed or cared. But I said, no, no, you don't, you don't understand. There's nothing to fight for. It's all gone. It's all, like, there's the... Americans accepted like coerced medicine and censorship of their speech and burning down their cities for no reason for what was probably a lie in most cases. There's nothing there to save. They're gone, right? It's just like 
uh, I made a comment like it's it's one of those it's one of those scenarios like where you're dead but you just like you have a mortal illness and it's just like well you got like three months to like America is on a timetable now like I don't know how long ten years fifteen years but it's 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 gone there's nothing to say and so when I when people like me argue that the thing you should do to be good going forward is as much as you can get out of that system and become self-reliant with you and your friends and family. Like, you know, ideally you want to be able to have your own food because this debt thing will come down at some point when, I don't know, but it will, and it will not be pretty. Ideally you should have, you should be able to grow your own food, have your own farm, do things with uh, your own local people to care for your neighbors. You should be in a, you should try to, I think what you have to do to be good in this scenario is try to insulate yourself from Babylon as much as possible so that you can be in a position to help others when they inevitably need help out of it. Because it's not when people, a lot of people are just going to choose to stay in it and that's their choice and they will go through the meat grinder of whatever comes. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to be there for people trying to get out of it. Um, Cause it won't be easy for people trying to get out of it. The longer you stay in it, like you're on injection 57 and they put a microchip in you or whatever, which is that, that used to be a uh, <coughs> conspiracy theory too. Mm-hmm. Until but Sweden like, was like, Hey, look at this thing. We but made. Sweden was like, listen, we can put vaccine <laughs> records and vaccine, uh, your QR codes in a chip in your hand. And then you wouldn't have to worry <laughs> about getting your phone out every time or losing it. And I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. But so that there's, there's no other option. Like there's, there's either, either people, either people resist the global techno slavery mm-hmm. and biosecurity state, mm-hmm. um, and you have uh, complete and total financial collapse, or people don't and go along with it, and you get global techno slavery. Well, it's and, interesting. So one of the two is going to happen. There's going to be a great reset of some capacity, almost assuredly. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's bad. It can be fun. We can have a fun time having a great reset. It, it's but, a strange situation. Like the uh, the old motto, I think it was the National Review, used to be standing athwart history yelling stop. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, isn't there something better we could do with our time than yell stop? Like, what is it? <laughs> what are the steps we can take? Like, yeah. come on. Conservatism was always bound yeah. to fail because that they're like standing athwart history yelling stop isn't a position mm-hmm. like that's yeah. that's that's not even playing defense no that's, that's just, just waiting and if you were to only play defense you still lose the best defense is a good offense amen but they never they never had any offensive posture ever like they never if you actually cared about the second amendment then you wouldn't constantly be just defending it you'd be like nope. you know what i, I want to make bazookas legal yeah, you would be. You, you would be you finding that out there. And you're like, we're pushing people. for, and you make you make the other people fight against your bazookas becoming. Yeah, if you want to buy a stealth bomber, now you can. Now you, yeah, you would make you would go over and above. You you would say, uh, you know, um, we don't. Not only do we not want censorship of speech, right? We're gonna put the word retard in skywriting over every American city. Yeah, any yeah. any word that people want to censor, you just plaster it up there. Like you just you have to do offense 
standing authority history saying no isn't anything. And that's why it was just bound to lose ever since, uh, was it Buckley that did that? It was, yeah. Yeah, he was, who was gay, obviously. It was? Yeah, Buckley. Uh, I, I don't even know when he was. Uh, yeah, let me look up a picture of Buckley. I'll see if I can. William F. Uh, Buckley. William F. Buckley, super gay. Everyone's been faking gay forever. Uh, that's okay, he, he died when I was six, so I don't really know what's up. Yeah, but I mean, you just look at him. Just Google a picture of William F. Buckley, and he's like as much of a, of a princess as Lindsey Graham. He does look shockingly like Stephen Fry. Yeah, there's a phenotype of uh, creepy gay politician, and he has it 100%. And there's, uh, it's not really a, it's not really even a secret that he was gay. There's been, there's been this fake opposition uh, forever. That's why you need to, you can't accept the leaders people offer you. Like, hey, listen, here's, uh, here's, uh, here's your new leader. It's Jordan B. Peterson, and then he, then he uh, gets uh, hopped up on uh, benzos, goes into a coma. Flies to Russia and then comes back and just shields for vaccines. He he did apparently strongly this. I I looked up William F. Buckley gay and apparently he was very against gay marriage, but that doesn't really mean anything. Oh no, that was just in public and and I'm just like Lindsey Graham was for a little while. Oh yeah, you know that's just that's the they're they're basically all gay. They're, they're, to be a conservative and to be gay is the same. Mm-hmm. Really, I think that that's probably accurate. I think I think that there are I think there are probably le- I think the Democratic Party was just for being gay and the Conservative Party was just actually gay. Yeah, this is why I, I just said to hell with it and became an anarchist. Right. Yeah, which is a respectable position. Um, yeah, standing authority history yelling no was never going to do anything, and uh, he probably that's why he didn't do too. anything. And that's why that's why we are where we're where we are now. Well, one of many reasons. Yeah. But another reason we're where we are now is because people forgot about angels. Amen. What do you know about angels? Uh, very little. I mean, I'm, I know everything <laughs> that was said in the Bible about angels. Yeah, OK, describe for me what you think angels, how you think angels are and what they what they do. Um, if I had to guess, I would say that the reason they're so low level described is that describing them is either impossible or you're not supposed to. Okay. All, all I know is that they are some sort of being of such unimaginable horror, or not horror, but like they're so terrifying that the first thing out of their mouths every single time is, hey, hey, hey chill out, don't worry, like it's going to be yeah. all right. <laughs> That's correct. Well, uh, so I want to talk about a little book called The Physics of Angels by one of our favorites on the show, Rupert Sheldrake. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Physics of Angels by Rupert and some guy named Matthew. Uh, but... Um, in the physics of angels, they talk about the historical understanding of angels and how we might, uh, how they went away, mm-hmm. why they went away in our culture, and then why they may need to come back, and how we can bring them back into like the public consciousness, um, and how we can understand them in a way that makes sense to the modern person. So, first of all, here's the thing to get about angels. Uh, if you want to know about angels, by the way, the, the person that wrote the most about angels really is Thomas Aquinas. And they call him the angelic doctor for that reason. He wrote about angels. Okay, all okay. of them. Book upon book about angels. Isn't the uh, the book of Enoch it's full of like a story of yes. war about book, angels, right? The book of Enoch is about the war between the angels. That's another great reference. Never read um, it, but I keep meaning to. Now, now it's difficult to read. 
Okay. It's like it's like you know how weird Revelations is. Yeah. It's like that, but like in Genesis time. Oh, weird. It's like the op- It's like the other bookend. It's like the weird end at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so it's a difficult read, and it's also fairly long. But um, now that said, Aquinas wrote great about angels. He's probably, you know, probably the best writer about angels. However, even Aquinas, like writing about angels, is difficult. People, it's it's difficult to talk about them. Like, what are they doing exactly? It's always been sort of like. Because they're they're in a sense beyond us, and so describing them and describing their actions has always been sort of hard. And uh, putting anything definite down about them is difficult. One thing, though, that Aquinas noted about the angels, and this is why this is why the this is why the demons are still demons; they can't repent, is because Aquinas says, uh, and he echoes he echoes um, uh, the pseudo Dionysius who he, he quotes from here, uh, that the, the angels perceive, angels don't need to learn in the way that we learn. Angels, when they take an, when angels consider an action, they know all of the consequences of that action extending into eternity. Okay. So like the angels grasp everything intuitively instantaneously because they exist sort of outside time. So, when the angels rebelled, they did so with full and complete knowledge of everything that would entail the full scope of their punishment, the horror of it, the pain of it was all known to them. And so they still said, yes, and that is worth it. Now, now, where is he getting this from? This is his, this is his deductive. It's really, it's, it's, it's reasoning. It's like about what, how angels must act if they don't have bodies. Like physical uh, okay. bodies. Mm-hmm. So you can always like like you can always because there's only so much revealed to us about angels from the scriptures, mm-hmm. and so the rest of it you sort of have to infer. Uh, now I think that's a good I I think that that is a good uh, I think that's probably accurate that that is that the angels have like this full knowledge of the the consequences of their actions that is echoed in the Book of Enoch as you mentioned when I forget the name of the angels they talk about coming down and like fathering children with the women and one of them says before that he says i fear that when we do this i alone will have to like they're basically it's basically like a thing where they're like one two three jump in a cold pool and, okay. guy, and the one angel's like i'm afraid i'll do it and you guys won't do it and then i'll have to be punished alone and they're like no no no, we're gonna i'll do it together but he he describes like knowing what's gonna happen like he hmm. he knows like he knows what the punishment will be from the beginning, he knows he understands sort of the full scope of it, but that he's just apparently that horny that he doesn't care. I mean, can you which blame is an amazing level of like of being horny. He's like, listen, I I not only understand this is going to make me go to hell because I'm an angel having sex with women and fathering giants, but also I I fully am conscious of the pain of that mm-hmm. for an eternity. And, and I yet, super don't care. And yet, this woman is really hot. <laughs> So, listeners, if you struggle with lust, remember that it's difficult for a lot of that. Even the angels had a rough time. Mm. So maybe that makes you feel a little bit better about it. Um, but yeah, so that that is um, that's Aquinas's take on why the demons can't repent because they knew, like, when from the instant they were created, they made an instantaneous choice to having instantaneous knowledge of all that God wanted of them. 
and all that it would entail, they made an instantaneous choice to either do it or not. I do think it's in, we don't really know when they were created. Like they're not in the creation story. Right. Exactly. They've always been around with God. Well, that's a, like that's a, a good question. That's uh that's a good question. But uh Sheldrake notes in the beginning, he says the return of angels in the new cosmology. Why are angels returning today? And they sort of are if you pay attention. Like they're uh, over the past couple of decades, they have seen an explosion of the subjects of like TV shows and articles and movies and like um People talk about their personal angel and this. So is this a fad? You know, is this just some new thing? Or or is this is this something coming about because our understanding of the physical world is again being reshaped and there's room for them again? Because uh, what happened is when we adopted a mechanistic view of the universe and everything was just clockwork and spinning down and just billiard ball atoms bouncing into each other, for eternity, there was no space for angels because angels were always seen as, uh, I believe Aquinas says a quote, something like uh, all physical, oh, what is the quote? All it's, it's something to the effect of all physical actions are under the domain of angels or something hmm. like that. So angels were seen as basically that the intelligences or consciousnesses that govern things in the cosmos, both the invisible cosmos and the visible cosmos. Okay. <laughs> so it doesn't really the, fit in with the determinist mindset. Right. Exactly. Not at all. And so when we, when we adopted a deterministic view of the universe, we also then made angels very small. Angels stopped being these objects of terror with many eyes and wheels and flaming wings. and faces. Kind of like what we did with the gods. Right. We made them into little like cherubim things with uh, like babies with bare butts, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, ah, oh, they're cute. You know, they're little cute things. But today, uh, some surveys say that between, uh, say that about uh, a third of the American population says they have felt a, the presence of an angel at some time in their lives. Hmm. So that's not, that's a fairly big number. That's 33%. Um. Yeah, so Aquinas said the universe would not be complete without angels. The entire corporeal world, a corporeal world, is governed by God through the angels. So the idea basically was that um, it was this idea that you know no man can see God's face and live. It's like there, there, you couldn't have a direct um, God because God is so much higher. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have a direct uh, communication in most instances between God and creation. So there are intermediaries. So like right next to God, there's like cherubims and seraphims and these high level angels um, who are extremely um, pure and powerful and they can sort of see God the best. And then they in turn relate what God wants in his messages to the next level of angels, like the, the dominions and the choirs and the thrones or whatever. Uh, they, they relate that down the step to angels that cannot quite see God as clearly as they can. And then those angels relate God down a step again and down a step and down a step until you get to like archangels and then normal angels and then us. Which whether it's true or not is a very good reminder of like how far down the stack we are. Well, that's true. And, but see, it's not that we're, 
It's not that we're so far down the stack. As I said before, man means middle. We're in like the direct middle of all the cosmos. We're the intermediary. We're the, we stand in the middle between the animal and the purely physical and the spirit. And we're like the place those two meet, which is why we're the hub of the wheel of the, like we're the, the center, center point. Um, so you've got these, 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 so if you imagine one clue about how they thought angels work, like in the Bible is when Paul is talking about, he says, or not Paul, it, Jesus in revelation is saying to the angel of the church at Laodicea, right? The angel of the church at this thing, right? So you have this idea that there's this angel of a church. That's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. There's an angel of a city, right? There's angels of nations. There's angels. And so you can imagine that imagine the world is made up of holes made of parts, but the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So um, let's say you had a, a uh, well, let's say you had like, there's an angel in like it's hinted at, like there's a, there's an angel of Egypt, not nation of Egypt, but like the land. Mm-hmm. And so imagine that there is like all these, things like there's the trees in egypt there's the sand there's the grass there's the nile there's all these things and they form a whole called egypt which is greater than the sum of their parts Mm -hmm. and this whole because the because this is basically angels were thought of as like disembodied intelligences or disembodied consciousness would have its own in a sense consciousness its own which is a weird concept to think about, but this is basically what they were saying. And it's not, it's not so weird because if you think about it, like the cells of your body, in a sense, have a will and a consciousness. Like they want to do things. They want to eat. They want to reproduce. They want to, and yet they're all working together to form a greater whole, which has its own separate intelligence from them, but yet which governs them. This was the same idea as the body of Christ. Like there was this, this mega, this super organism created from the believers that would have, uh, that would have like angels at the head of it and, and so on. And so like there was this, there was this great book, this new agey book, which I sort of believe her, her experience because it comports with what I would expect. But she had this, she was under psychedelics or whatever. And she had this vision of her meeting she had some illness, I think maybe cancer or something, or, and she was healed after this experience. And she had this uh, vision where she went down and down and down and talked to one of her cells, like she could see it. And she asked it what was wrong. And the first thing the cell did was freak out and then start worshiping her like a god, which is very similar to how people responded to the angels, right? So like it was this, organizing consciousness of a whole that was greater than the sum of its parts, which is a weird, it's a weird concept. But if you think about it, that's why they would have, um, well, this is why things like say that the, the people that were not call them angels, called them gods, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same, same idea. It's like Um, that scene in, uh, I want to say Leviticus, no, not Leviticus. Exodus, maybe Exodus, where uh, Joshua starts worshiping the angel, and the angel's like, "Hey, hey, hey stop that!" Right. That, that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, the um, 
That's why, but so they call them gods. And this is why, like, they have the idea that the Nile itself had a god or an angel. Mm -hmm. Because it was a it was a thing that was it was the Nile is more than just water in a pit. Mm-hmm. It has a it has a wholeness that makes it a thing, and that thing has some sort of essence to it that is non physical. Like it, all things would have a non physical essence. So, like the, <clears throat> the Nile would have an angel or a god, or this mountain would have an angel or a god, and so or this this people would have an angel or a god. And that's how they sort of thought about uh, it was this hierarchy of consciousnesses organizing principles. And this is why they call them principles and principalities. Like this is organizing intelligences, which stack up all the way to God, which, which contains them all. Right. But does that mean that we are like a substructure of God? Because that makes me deeply uncomfortable. That is sort of what that would imply in a way which does make people uncomfortable. Sounds very Buddhist. It does sound very Buddhist. Um, uh, but that is sort of when you talk about what the ancients were talking about when they talked about angels, it's something like that. It's not, it's not a perfect, what I just said, but it's something sort of in that thing. <clears throat> this is also why there's ambiguity in the Old Testament between like um, what... When, when people have a, 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 a theophany, a vision of God, mm-hmm. right? Like when Abraham meets God and God is talking to him about whether or not he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. And, and Abraham's trying to talk him down out of destroying him. Or when Jacob wrestles with, with God. Or when uh, the three angels come to Abraham and Sarah, right? Yeah. So there's these these times in the Bible where God seems to show up, but it's ambiguous always whether it's God or the angel of God. Yep. That's true. And this was because people were trying to work out like, well, what really were we seeing there? Like it was, it was uh, because like like no man can see God and live, and like we can't obviously perceive God in His fullness and like what it is. So was He like, is He sending messengers to us? that give us his, that give us his, um, will and what he wants. But at the same time, does that mean it isn't him? Because it's like, they're part of his, they're like, this is hard to explain, but they're like a subset of his intelligence stepping down to us. Like this part of him comes down to a place where he can almost understand down a little bit more than another subset. So it was like, is it him or is it like a, and they weren't really, it was sort of, it was sort of ambiguous, like what they were really, dealing with um but that's why the angels come in three when they come because it's like the trinity you know and mm-hmm. that's why the uh because mm-hmm. the angel he wrestles jacob wrestles with the angel mm-hmm. of god and it said the angel of god but then when he beats him he says you've wrestled with god and man and have prevailed so it's like mm-hmm. which is it and that was because it was it was very difficult to like draw these lines and if you listen to the ancient writers or not really ancient but medieval writers who tried to write about angels like Aquinas and the pseudo Dionysius and all these other people, uh, Hildegard of being of Bingen also, um, they trying to, to pin down like what the angels were exactly is very difficult. They all have different categories of the ways they would organize them. And because this idea, they're all agree on this basic principle about, about what the angels are doing, but how you can delineate it and where one stops and the other begins was always very, um, very difficult right 
So uh, that's sort of what angels are. Now, the, the Hildegard says, uh, and Thomas Aquinas, uh, both said that what makes a devil different from the angels is the devils refuse to praise, which I think is an interesting um, thing. I mean, like, and because praise is is a noise of joy and awe, mm-hmm. like like hallelujah is a, is a is like a nonsense. Totally. Yeah, you know, it's like whoa. I've always hey. had this. There was always this thing that I think the Chinese had it, where heaven and the people, the good people and the bad people, there is no heaven and hell. They would all be in the same place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the good people, uh, I think the way they used it was they would all have really long chopsticks and they, the, the, the evil people would be starving to death because they would try to feed themselves with these impossibly long chopsticks and the good people would feed each other. But they were all in the same place. And I always sort of wondered if heaven and hell are actually the same place. And they always say, oh, you know, you're praising God forever. I always wondered if everyone is, but the, the, the wicked people hate it so much that it's like hell for them. Yeah. I so which is sort of fit with your truth. angel thing. Like the angel or the demons are just angels who refuse to do it. And that would make it hell for them. Right. Whereas the good people are like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> right. Right. And so I think that's good. Uh, but like the... Um, all that I've said about angels so far, people can sort of be like, okay, but here's where it gets tricky for modern people. Like when Jesus says, our father who art in heaven. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I think many Christians assume this is merely like a metaphorical statement. But no, at the time, that would have meant the actual sky. Like heaven, our, like a, a good translation of that would be our father in the sky, our sky father. That's what that means. It's not like a metaphorical heaven or some, it's like the, the sky. Uh, and since then, as Sheldrake notes, the heavens have been handed over to quote unquote science. Uh, like astronomy has nothing to do with God or the spirits or angels. It's just galaxies and geometry of gravitational fields, spectra of hydrogen atoms, and life of star quasars, black holes, and so on. But that isn't what people used to think. And I think that, that what they used to think has great merit. They thought that the sky, the heavens were full of spirits and of, and of, god right mm-hmm. and that's why the scientific revolution who who, who then they said no it's all like it can all be described by formulas and and and, and mathematics and that's what the that's all you need and that's what, they that's can both really be right did. right well like well, i think what the ancient people would have said is oh you figured out a formula for the oh you figured out one of the mind you figured out one of the thoughts of the angels like that hmm. thing that's keeping the thing in in that thing like that's their eternal thought is like, this is how I orbit is this formula. And that's like the, <clears throat> because they really did attach the angels to the stars and the sky. Like people that makes people uncomfortable today, but like the idea, <clears throat> here's a thought for you. I may have brought this up on the show before, but could it be that the sun itself is conscious? No. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because we know what the sun is. Uh, well, uh, well, that's well, like saying it's the same thing as saying a bomb is conscious. Well, okay. So, from a strictly from a modern science perspective, mm-hmm. the best thought they have going on how consciousness interacts with the body, how consciousness is going to be existing, um, is through 
very complex EM electromagnetic waves in the brain and wave patterns in the brain. Well, if you just want to be, if you just want to take that to its conclusion, um, the EM patterns produced in the sun are far more complex than what well, we then, then you and end they're up rhythmic, like a... they're rhythmic and they re- and repeatable and, and pattern. They're not random. You're going to end are... up in like a Stephen Wolfram computational complexity type thing. Well, maybe, yeah. So, so computational complexity begetting consciousness. If that was true, then you could say, well, then the sun is likely conscious. But in that case, you could say a rock is conscious. I think a rock probably is conscious. It just has a very low consciousness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, I sort of agree with you, but I also want to know, like, how, who gets to decide what is high and low consciousness? Um, right. A, well, I the, think... the structure of a rock is just as complicated as your brain. Well, that's not true. The structure of a rock is not. I think it is. It is the the complexity of the the patterns that you're exhibiting determine the level of your. So, like a rock, is a really slow oscillation. Like it is. It, as all things are vibrating, but it is extremely low tempo. True, um, but like the internal structure of the atoms is as complicated. Is what I was trying to say. They are, but those, like I said, the, the whole is always greater than the sum of the parts. So, like an atom has consciousness, probably, but then you <laughs> add them all together, because I think consciousness is fundamental. I think that, uh, I think that there's these organizing principles. This is a this is an idea called panpsychism, which is that consciousness is fundamental. It's actually more fundamental than matter, and that everything has some degree of it. And brains are sort of organic consciousness collectors. That. Um, do the job of collecting consciousness into one place in a material form so much so much so that it is now noticeable and usable where it wasn't because the argument goes nothing can give what it does not have and so if people are made of matter and they are conscious then where is the consciousness coming from oh well it was already there in the matter it just wasn't uh, accumu- it just wasn't of a high enough concentration to be noticeable it's a hard thing to argue with, given that the best theory of like evolution is, oh well, one day it just became conscious, right? Yeah, and this would this would it's like, uh, but consciousness is already there. Consciousness, like the world, God existed. The consciousness of God existed before anything else, and it's still there, and it still pervades uh, all that has been made. And so these these consciousness collectors, which are human brains or whatever. Uh, collect matter and organize it in such a way to create a higher organization of consciousness and a higher level of intelligence. But that may be, that may go up several levels. It may not be, we may be just in, like I said, the middle. Like, could, if the sun could be conscious, and and this is what I mean, this is what the ancient people thought 100% it was. That's why they worshiped the actual sun. People like think they worship the God of the sun, and they did. That's like saying they worship the angel of the sun. They worship the conscious, and they would. Sometimes that angel would appear to you in a way that you could see and understand in like a human form or some other form or like an animal. Mm-hmm. But it was actually the sun in the sky, like not like a being attached to. It was like that thing. And when we're praying to it, we're praying to that thing, and it hears us and understands us and it communicates back. And people still do this. And I know people. They think they have relationships with like the star Sirius or something. Like they talk to it, and they look at it, and they feel like it understands. 
And that's now, weird for modern people, but it's sort of the default for humanity for most of the time. Well, that, that might not be a good thing. May not be a good thing. Great. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's just, I, they, I'm just saying perhaps stars are, because think about it. Are stars alive? Maybe they metabolize, certainly. <laughs> right. They're more, in that sense, they're more alive than a virus, which does not metabolize. True. Or an American. Right. Or an American. So they, they definitely metabolize. They, uh, Produce complex patterns of EM fields, which we associate with consciousness as best as we are able. Um, in some sense, when they die and they spew out their material, which goes into other um, stars, in some sense, they could be said to reproduce. Eh, right? So if they're mm -hmm. reproducing and metabolize, I mean, how are they not alive? It's a weird thing well, to think about. Well, they can't react to their environment. How do you know? Maybe okay. the sun. Do you, do you really want to play the how do you know game though? Well, no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, think about it. Maybe the sun compensates for the conditions on earth to, to help the earth in some way. Maybe the earth is observed. Maybe the angel of the sun is observing the earth and it's been tasked with keeping the earth well and warm and life well on. And that's why the sun um, has different sun cycles. That's why it has solar minimums, solar maximums. That's why it burns really hot for centuries and then dims it down a bit for centuries, for other centuries, because it's saying, okay, the earth needs a little more, a little less, a little more. Maybe it is responding to its environment. I mean, maybe, but like, maybe. I mean, I, I understand there's no way to prove this. <laughs> you, but I'm just, we are running into the issue of like, there's no evidence for this, which normally shouldn't stop anything, but. Which normally shouldn't stop anything, but there's also no evidence against it. And who gets? But no, no. But who gets to set the null hypothesis? Who gets to say which one needs to be proved? Like you're, you're just of the opinion that the default should be that you have to prove the sun is not conscious. Whereas what I'm saying is, prior to like the time for 1400 AD, the default assumption would be you have to prove it's not, because that used to be the standard opinion was that these things, the stars were conscious. And the planets. That's why, like, Mars was actually associated with that wandering star. Granted. But aren't right. we just appealing to, oh, this thing, like, old people thought this. Old people are right. Well, There's not a lot of evidence that people we are, are, but the are other, right. all, But all we're doing on the other side is saying new people thought this, new people are right. Yeah, but... The, uh, it's the same prejudice either way. And I'm just, <laughs> But if you take seriously this idea, like, your cells, so think about your cells. They're living organisms. Each cell in your body is its own tiny animal. Mm -hmm. It eats, it reproduces, it makes waste. It does all the things any living animal does, which viruses don't, by the way. But your cells do. And yet they're all, they're all, I doubt your cell is even really aware of what it's doing. Like is even aware that it's part of your hand, your eyeball. And yet there is a higher organizing principle which collects them all together into a greater, higher intelligence, right? You don't have any idea what your white blood cells are doing, but look at your white blood cells under a microscope, chasing down a bacteria. And you will be, a, it's like, a, it's like watching an animal chase down another animal in the Serengeti. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. Yeah. And, and so like, you can't really say that that little thing isn't intelligent in some way. It's like doing this complicated job. Now, I, I have to ask this, but do you think that AI are alive? Like, do you think if a self-driving yeah. car is alive? Right. That's the thing. So, so if you carry this to its logical conclusion, 
then things like that would have uh, would have some degree of consciousness or soul. Like soul is another term for this consciousness. So, uh, and this is a whole field of like of like weird um, shamanism. Like there's there's groups. Mysterious Universe podcast talked about this recently, actually. Where there are groups that believe that like you'll take in your lawnmower that's not working and they'll like try to commune with the soul of the lawnmower and make it work again. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, which is weird. I don't think that's the proper way to approach. Like, I think if it has a consciousness, it's so low that you're not going to get much out of trying to communicate. But like I said, I think consciousness is is prevalent in all of matter. It's prevalent in rocks, it's prevalent in atoms, but and it accumulates to form higher levels of consciousness. But if that's so, then the stars would be conscious. And my point is, if you actually take the biblical tradition seriously, our father who art in heaven, our sky father, that is what they're talking about. It's like, look, there are things in the sky, the angels, the heavenly host, the sky army. That's what that means. The heavenly host means the sky army. All those things in the sky, those stars, those prints of light, those are the angels. And they have consciousnesses and they work for us and they help us. And that's actually what the Bible say when they talk about those things. And so maybe they're right. And that should be the default assumption is proving the sun isn't conscious. Right? Because heavenly host means the sky army. All the hosts, that means the sky host. Our father in heaven means the sky father. Now, do you you draw the line anywhere? I don't know. Is there anything you're willing to say isn't conscious? Other than Biden? (laughs) I don't know that. I don't know that the void of space would be conscious. Uh, maybe. I mean, uh, um, right. I don't know that time itself would be conscious, but, uh, but, but I'm not sure. Like where you draw the line is, I, I don't know, but I do think that there are, there are, there are levels of consciousness made up by holes that are greater than the sum of its parts, which is why like this. And I understand why people are very, uh, hesitant and leery of things like Gaia worship, and I don't think you should worship it. But the idea that the earth itself has a consciousness is extremely trad. Like, that is so trad. And what a lot of Christians would have thought also for a long time. Because one of the the big questions they were wrestling with in the first century was, um, are are angels good or bad? Like, are they on our side? And and your your namesake Albert Einstein, the actual German Jew one, uh, when asked Swiss, but yes, or Swiss Jew, well, Swiss German, same thing. Einstein was once asked, "What's the most important question you can ask in life?" And his answer was, "Quote: Is the universe friendly or not?" And that's the same question. It's the same question. Like, are the angels on our side? Is the and the the early Christians uh, responded to that question. Like the claim that Christ have its power over the principalities and powers and angels is basically the claim that Christ has control over the fundamental forces that govern the laws of the universe. And that he, being a man like we are, is on our side. So therefore, yes, it's on our side. You can relax. Be cool. You don't have to worry that much. This is very distressing for determinants such as myself. I know. This is why this is why the worldview repair service must march on and crush all determinism. I, well, see, I think the world is determinist, but humans aren't. Well, you have a very hard square to square there. I, I know. It, it, well, we have souls. That's about all I've got. 
Well, yeah, we like, do have souls, and, and the like people like Aquinas would differentiate between rational souls and irrational souls. But, hmm. but uh, he would have said that uh, all the animals have souls. That's why they're animals. Animal, animal means anima. Animal does, means yeah. soul. Sort of. Right? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, sort of, kind of. And the uh, plants probably have souls as well. Um, and then I think you could take it down to, and this is why people well, I think if, different if things animals, like worship a mountain because the mountain was thought to have a soul. If the animals and the plants have souls, then there would probably be something in the Bible. Like, we are the only ones for whom it says he breathed the breath of life. Like, that's probably him giving us a soul. I feel like he would have. Well, yeah, but the that. breath of life, again, this is not a metaphor. It's actually your. Yeah, which because is. Because when soul. it goes away, but the animals also have that. that but, it doesn't, but it doesn't say that. I think that the breath of life is a soul. It's like, here, have a soul. Well, yeah, but my point is the breath of life is like your actual breathing, and the animals also breathe. Ah, true. Right? They're, they're all, if the, that's like the, the spirit is the breath. And so, like, now I go a little bit different. This is where I differ from Aquinas, and that he thinks that the animals, because they don't have rational souls, do therefore not ha- have, therefore do not have immortal souls. And I think, uh, yes, but maybe no. I think the animals, I think God cares for each individual organism to a degree that we cannot fathom and, and, and has a plan for them that goes into eternity if they're willing to do it. I, I don't know I, what that means. I think but, Noah's Ark sort of defends you because he would have just made right. more if he didn't care. Exactly. Yeah, he would have just made more. But so I think that he, I think that, I think that there very well could be like um, your dog Fido in eternity or some random cow that God just loved. Well, you know, you know, I think that that is possible. My mother has a dog and on occasion it likes to hump its bed. Right. And I say, you know, let the dog be a hedonist. He doesn't have a soul. Like he doesn't get, (laughs) we are, we are good because we get to go to heaven. And I'm like, the the dog doesn't get to go to heaven. Let him do whatever in this world. He might as well like have a blast dog. Well, I will tell you of a, of an animal ghost story that I have. Excellent. So we used to have a dog uh, uh, called named Bama after mm-hmm. the football team okay. because my parents were in our big things. Uh, they were, they were roll tiding all the time, right? But really just building football season. There wasn't an all year thing for them, but just for football. But we had a dog named Bama and um, Bama, we, she lived in the garage. And when it was time for her food, we had these concrete steps which would go up to the house in the garage and they were slightly not level. And so okay. when you stepped on them, they would, they would wobble just a bit and go boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when it was her dinner time and she was getting hungry, she would come and stand on those steps and you would hear them from the living room, in the kitchen go boom, boom. And she's sitting there waiting at the door. Well, then she dies of old age. Right. And we're sitting around like a week later. And uh, we're all talking and we hear boom, boom at mm-hmm. about her dinner time. And we all just look at each other, go out there. Nothing's there. Obviously that happens like twice and then it never happened again. But that did seem to be like an animal's ghost of some kind, just continuing on what it was doing. It, it Maybe was, that wasn't an intelligent ghost. Maybe it was stone tape theory. It was. Happening it, on yeah. Time. On episode three, you talked about how things that happen over and over again. Yeah. It could be, it could have just been stone tape theory, but that mm-hmm. is a, that is an anecdotal, uh, uh, animal ghost theory. I don't know if it was an intelligent haunting, but it was a haunting of some kind, probably. 
So I go a little bit further than Aquinas in thinking that animals probably have more of a place in heaven. Uh, he thinks that they'll, of course, exist in the the, re, the remade Earth. Uh, I think they may maybe that exact animal, like not just another lion, but like that exact lion, mm-hmm. you know, may be um, be there. But yeah, so I think if you if you if like what they're my point is what they're actually saying in the Bible is like is like those things in the sky are alive. They think about us and they actually have influence over us and they're extremely powerful. And, uh, and this is, this is why I think, uh, you know, when the angels went away from culture, they, they didn't though. They just morphed into another thing. Like, I think that's what the UFO phenomenon probably is. People still see the lights in the sky, the burning wheels, these things. It's like, Oh, it's something, but it's the same thing. Like there's so much overlap between, angelic visions as described in the past and ufo visions described today it's like they never stopped we just stopped recognizing them for what they were so so and then that's it's like the angels come down it's like the stars come down like you know when he says i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven it's like the falling star like the you know it's it's all there and so maybe listener maybe the sun thinks about you sometimes who knows? I don't know if that's comforting or not. Yeah, who who knows if that's comforting? Uh, I don't, I don't know, but um, but it might be true. And we really need to we really need to take back. I think this is the reason <clears throat> sci-fi took off so much. And I'm a fan of sci-fi, but like sci-fi had to repopulate the universe with intelligent life because once we got rid of it, it was sort of lonely. Mm-hmm. And then we made like SETI, the search for intelligent life, and w- that was trying to like do something dumb, like look for prime numbers and repeating sequences on a radio signal or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have, and we made them, and we we made all this sci-fi where there's like Vulcans and Romulans and stuff in this in the sky. But uh, you don't really have that impulse if like you look up and the stars are looking down at you and like judging what you're doing. Like that, the, the intelligences are already there. So maybe, Maps listeners, I am calling for a a renaissance in angelic sci-fi that you all need to begin writing. I don't know. But we have to influence the culture somehow in this direction. But that's a brief bit about It's a long book. It's the physics of angels. It goes into all sorts of like the ancient idea of angels, what they were, how we might fit them into the modern. He doesn't like because he, he believes in all the modern cosmology and I don't discount it. I'm just saying there's a little bit of stuff I wonder about, like like the luminance of the moon, which we had an argument about, but it's fine. Oh, goodness. Yes. Um, you know, but but maybe if there is organizing principles at different levels, then there would be an angel of a galaxy, an angel of a solar system, an angel of a star cluster. Right? We run into that strange thing that the, the, the overly scientific people are not super cool with, but the underly scientific people are very fine with, where they go, oh, well, it can be both. Like my right. physics and your angels can both be true. Yeah. yeah and I think that breaks a lot of people's brains, but like, yeah, who cares? Yeah. Well, like I said, like the, the ancients probably, if you, if you said you had a formula for how the planets went around the sky, they would have said, I think like, Oh, you've discovered one of the thoughts of the angel. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it would have been like, wow. You know, uh, because the angels never change their thoughts. They have the same thoughts from eternity. Like, this is why thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because the heavens are always doing what they're supposed to do. 
They're going around in their circles. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. But here on earth, eh, it's not really happening. And so Jesus is like, it needs to get to where it's happening. But, you know. Wait, and so you're mean, saying that Jesus was saying we need to be eternally repetitive? No, I was about to say that's not what that means uh, for us because we have a different, uh, we have a different um, mission. Like the animals are, I mean, repetitive in the way the animals are, like in a sense, like the geese every year fly, fly south for the summer or north for the summer and south for the winter. Mm-hmm. And they sort of repetitive in that sense, I suppose, but not in like, like repetitive in the way that like bees are eternal. Like bees don't have a history. Bees, every generation of bees is the same. It doesn't mean that their life is monotonous or they do the same thing, but like bees are just doing bee what bees do and they always will. And human beings are trying to do something other than what human beings are supposed to do. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at, you know? Um, and that would be eternal in a sense. It would, but without being monotonous, you know, because you're doing like you know, the humans are doing the human thing and the bees are doing the bee thing and the angels are doing the angel thing. And that's great. Right now, what we've got is the bees doing the bee thing, the angels doing the angel thing, and the humans doing a bunch of weird stuff. And this is causing problems. Right? We've got like people thinking they're conservative because they're listening to gay William F. Buckley. You got to stop that. <sighs> Again, I'm not sure how to use this information, but I'm sure that once I've thought deeply about it, it will, it will be life-changing. Well, you can start talking to trees. I do that. Yeah, that is. They, who was the the saint that they said would go out to the forest and just start preaching? Saint Francis. Yeah. yeah. yeah was, the there's that wonderful. Is it a painting or a picture of a guy <laughs> standing on a beach and there's a shark looking at him and he's preaching to it? And he's yeah. Like the sign of the cross. I'm like that is super rad. Yeah, for exactly because you. That's what you should do. The angel, the the animals also need to hear the gospel, and they can understand it in a sense. And this is why we're bringing everything together here, because if you properly understand the mystical mind, you can be a tree hugger and like a neo-reactionary at the same time. And you can do both. You can be like, I uphold all traditional morality and also leave that tree alone. It is my friend. You know, Hmm. and you can do both. And you should. You should. Because there's. Yeah, go ahead. What does that mean for like veganism? Well, I I mean, in, in. I'm not, I I would have difficulty being like a vegetarian. Let's just do vegetarianism to start with. But like, uh, that's probably what heaven would be. Like that in the Garden of Eden, that's what it was. Things didn't eat anything. Yeah. But also, if trees can also understand the gospel, then we can't eat their fruit because that's like eating their children. Well, no, because the fruit is not the, the, the fruit is like a ripened ovary. That's what a fruit is. The, so you're, the seed is the is a different. It hasn't been conceived yet. Basically, the seed are you okay with eating the ripened ovaries of people? I'm not well, sure no, where we're drawing lines. Like, but this is my but, the, but that's a good point though because look, even the Garden of Eden, you weren't you weren't eating plants. You're eating the fruit because the fruit itself was not like the thing, mm. right? Fair. Yeah, because yeah. the plant maybe the plant was alive and it didn't want to be eaten, so you ate just the fruit. Right. Which is an interesting thing, because I think like, I think in heaven, it will be a vegetarian deal. You're obviously not going to kill other death isn't going to be there. You know, so 
uh, I'm not against it. Uh, it's difficult now. Like I think you have to live in a, in a you have to make concessions for that mm-hmm. that we live in a fallen world. And if you strive to be overly perfect, my favorite verse in the Bible is, "Do not be uh, overly righteous. Why destroy yourself?" Because, <laughs> because if you try to do too much and you're still in this fallen world and you're still in like an unglorified body, it's not. It's just too much for you. So you have to make some concessions like eating meat and stuff for these, for this time. But I think, I mean, I, I admire what the vegetarian is doing if they're doing it for that reason. And like, I want to not cause harm to the animals. Like if you're doing it for some weird political reason and stuff, you know, it's like, that's, gets a bit weird. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it like out of respect for like, I don't want to hurt a cow. It's like, okay, understood buddy. You know, good on you. Like I, I, I could probably do that if I had a better infrastructure eating good vegetables like around me mm. like protein rich vegetables and stuff uh but you know so yeah you could be both you can be the you can be the tree hugger and the neo reactionary you can hate the clocks and, and love the tree you can do all of it um which is what we started mysticism is the is the is where the two the unification of opposites of apparent opposites are brought together god and man together in one that, that's the that's the mystical mindset, which is what we're trying to propagate here on this show. And sometimes you have to shoot people in the head to do it. And I, I'm sorry. I still apologize for having to do that to you last week. But we brought you back. Uh, you I'm look, just glad to be back. And you look really good for a zombie. Yeah, I, I lost a couple fingers and toes to the rot. But, you know. That, that'll get better. Yeah. That, that'll get better. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so All much right. for doing this in the absence of Smokestack, who is dead. Hopefully Thank you we'll for having him me. Back to life uh, in some in some cloning scenario. Uh, all right. Thank you so much. I, See I'm now going to send this to his family to use his audio equipment to turn this into uh, something respectable. This, this can be broadcast at his funeral. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> all right, man. Thank you so all much. Right. See ya.